Welcome to the Athletes Mindset Academy podcast, where we help gymnastics coaches and parents develop happy, healthy athletes who know how to win. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Athletes Mindset Academy, and we have Coach Stacy, Coach Allie, myself, Coach Amy, together here um, for today's episode. And we have a special guest that I don't even know how to tell you how awesome he is, but he is one of my favorite people in the world. It's Wayne Wright. He was my former, one of my former Stanford coaches, um, and he also coached as a head coach at San Jose for almost 20 years, which is awesome. And he, he seems to think he's kind of retired, but never going to really retire. So he's working with, um, the, with the 49ers. Wayne, correct me for anything that I say incorrectly, but with the 49ers um, in their educational community-based program, um, and this program that he was telling us about sounds amazing, where you teach the sciences and the, all the technology and math, those STEM, STEAM? STEM, correct. I always say STEM, STEM. okay, good. Yeah. I, th- I, had just, I had just been thinking STEAM in my head, but the STEM programs by way of like football and using football as, as the, I, you'll have to explain it, but using football to teach all of these different um, areas of, of academics, which I think sounds so fun. And he also does consultant work for some, a company called No Cap Sports. Wayne, I'm going to let you kind of explain those because I don't want to, I've already messed it all up. But I do want to start with this. This is the one fact I know that Wayne is one of the, for me, and I don't know if you always feel this way, Wayne, but one of the most, um, I can feel very authentic and very open. And I can just talk about anything when I'm around Wayne. And he helped, he's always helped me feel like when he's talking to me, I'm the most important person in the world. And that's something that I had when I was at Stanford on our team. One of those assistant coaches that you're just like, he just got you through a lot of things and he probably has no idea, but it's very, very, um, it's an honor for me. And I always just love seeing him because he's got a very, just a very positive energy. Always a happy guy, usually vacationing in places that I wish I was going to, but so we're so happy to have you. So thank you, Wayne, for being on here today. And I already told everybody on our company team that we're going to be having him back because he's just a he's just got so much knowledge and experience. So we'll have him back with other topics, but today we have something specific that I think the coaches will really enjoy listening to and hopefully get some insights from. Um, I'm actually going to pass this off to Stacy because she's pretty clear thinking, as you can tell, I'm just kind of rambling right now. So we'll let Stacy take over from here on, on questioning Wayne and he can, he can go from there. Thanks. All Wayne. right. I'll take it. So this month we we're talking about fear and fear in lots of different ways. And so we were trying to think of some of the things that, you know, are more for you as a coach. What are the things that you are currently fearing? And one of the things that keeps coming up that I hear about for gymnastics coaches is the fear of safe sport violations, fear of being um, reported a safe sport, fear of obviously safe sport, you know, doing something to completely shut down your program, um, fear, just kind of that like, yeah, maybe the culture needs to change, but all that I know of it as a coach is that now all of a sudden I'm like the bad one and I'm afraid of doing something wrong. And I think that as I see that fear, it seems like it's really preventing coaches from being able to authentically move into what is it that I do want to change about how I coach or the culture that I have, because that fear kind of overrides. And so we just wanted to throw that out as a topic and Wayne, tell me what your thoughts are about it. Um, in well, any uh, way that seems we're, we're, we're always kind of loose in our conversation here. So, yeah. Well, th- thank you, Stacey, for that question. And, and thank you, Amy, for those kind words. It's, it's, 
really great to to know I had such an impact. And as a coach, you you want to have an impact, not just athletically, you you know, uh, or academically, just just life goals in general. And that's part of the job. So that that that's really great um, that that you say that. But anyhow, um, as far as you know, the the fear there there is definitely a real fear, and and mainly because of cancel culture. And that's the number one thing that coaches, you, you know, are afraid of. I, I think just in general, uh, people are afraid of, you know, um, coaching's changed. And I think coaching will continue to change. Um, how we coached 10 years ago are different than how they're coaching now. Athletes 10 years ago are different than the athletes now. And, and let me tell you, I'm... I'm kind of glad I got out of the sport because it, it has changed so much to make it a little bit more difficult as, mm -hmm. as a coach to, to coach, uh, um, you know, um, but it, one of the problems that I'm seeing and what I hear from, you, you know, coaches that are currently coaching and former coaches is just like how you did something, you, you know, let's say 10, 15, 20 years ago you probably can't do it today. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it was wrong or, or if it was right. It was just the culture changed, you know, and, and how people look at things. So I think that's probably the main problem. And then in particular, from what I know about safe sports, I'm not sure if uh, um, how they determine what is technically a violation uh, as opposed to what isn't and how you do it and where that line goes in. Because I've heard stories from coaches and other colleagues regarding you know, you know, that their whole process. And, and, and quite frankly, I'm not sure if it's a good pro, pro, uh, progress or uh, to make real changes in the sports as opposed to just kind of, you know, quote, calling out somebody and putting them on notice because of whatever, um, you know, and then you got the parent side of it to where if they just don't like a coach, they can claim A, B, C, and D, and, you know, that can change everything. So it's, it's just kind of wide open in terms mm -hmm. of, you know, the fear of coaching, because again, you, you know, coaching, and especially at the elite level, and, you know, when you're coaching recreation, and, you know, the very beginners, the tiny tots, it, it's, it's different, but as you get up older in high school, you know, club level, there's certain expectations, and like with anything, when there's expectations, come certain things that you have to fulfill and have you have to do and not necessarily you know you know uh always making it to the point to where everybody's comfortable you know that's just a part of coaching i, I used to always tell athletes because you know especially when i was a head coach uh, um coaching by nature of the word and what we do is kind of like a negative thing in general. It's not always positive because coaching is you're always telling somebody what they did wrong. 
you know, for the majority of the time. And that's how you get better. So that in itself can all, you know, right there, look at, okay, can I not do that anymore? Do I have to tell an athlete, oh, you're great. You're doing great when she isn't. So it makes coaches feel like they're not coaching to help the athlete. They're coaching to make sure everybody's comfortable with that situation. So Wayne, can I ask you, I, I'm, you know, Allie or Allie, Amy, you know, said that her experience with you as a coach um, was that you were the one that did help her feel safe and encouraged. And she felt like you were really positive all the time. Um, and yet you, I'm assuming you probably actually did give corrections and coach in a way that, you know, helped people move forward. So how do you think, like, we'll come back to the safe sport, but I'm just kind of interested even in looking at that difference of like negative coaching versus positive coaching. Like, how did you navigate that as a coach? How did you think about it? Well, I, I think as a coach, there's roles in with any organization, everybody has a role. And I think as an assistant coach, part of your role is to, to, to kind of play that nice cop mm. where the, the, the head coach is kind of not the nice cop, you know, because at the end of the day, everything falls on the head coach, you know, the good and the bad. And you have a job as a head coach to do, and that's to, you know, you know, make sure the kids are in school, make sure, you know, make sure the rules are followed, et cetera. And the assistant coach don't really uh, have to worry about a lot of that. That assistant coach can be the, you know, the, 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 the comforter, the, yeah. you know, somebody you can lean on to, um, help athletes get to uh, you know through the day or whatever so it's, it's it's really important I think with any program and any coach that you have that and a lot of times um, in um, non-collegiate or bigger programs there's 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 no roles usually at a club program or it's just usually that coach and he or she pretty much does it all you know they're head coach they're the assistant coach they're the this they're the that which makes it hard for them to um, have somebody there to help athletes get through. Hmm. I can't hundred percent agree actually yeah. after being in the, the realm, even people, when I was an assistant coach, they were like, Oh, like, where's your next step? Like, do you want to be a head coach? And I was like, not really. <laughs> I was like, I like being the good cop as you put right. it. <laughs> like I enjoy being that um, that person in that role. And you have to have those conversations and, um, shifting back into club a little bit more recently. Um, you, in, there's still a little bit of it there sometimes, but, um, it, it's definitely not as defined as when you are coaching collegiate and seeing those different roles. And it really helps you draw that line. In my opinion, even like the bad cop isn't really even like bad. It's just, at least in my experience, it wasn't like they were being bad. They were the ones that were inflicting a lot of the rules. And I was the one that was like, can you open up to me and tell me what's going on? I, I think that that's a good point that, that you bring out. And, and, and probably I said that for lack of better words, because it, it isn't truly like the bad cop, but like you yeah, said, yeah. they're the ones that have to, you know, make you follow the rules. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you, you know, you have athletes that don't want to follow the rules or for whatever the reason, or they're the ones that have to make sure things are done in accordance to, 
you, you, you know, what, what the program's all about and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that's good. I keep thinking so, about my role as a parent, just to throw this in for a second yeah. for your parents so that maybe the, par the parents can understand on this end a little bit is I think about my four kids and they're all very different. Some of them don't like to follow the rules. Some of them do. Sometimes I'm like, why don't you go visit aunt so-and-so and uncle so-and-so? And I know we all want the same goals for you guys. We all want the same goals for some reason. You just like the way they say it better. But, and so it's almost like the parent role. And then we have these support systems to help us carry mm. out those, those, uh, those overall goals. Mm. No, that's good. It, it, it's, it's kind of funny you said that it's, it's, it's kind of like you you go to the parent that you know you're going to get the answer that you want and <laughs> and it's kind of like okay I'm not going to go for the majority of time I'm not going to go ask dad because I know he's probably going to say no so I'm going to go ask mom <laughs> she's going to say yes <laughs> you know when and you have those 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 roles yeah. so yeah yeah well so what advice would you give coaches now um, as they, you know, wanting to make changes, wanting to uh, create positive cultures, but yet kind of dealing with some of the fears that they're dealing with because of all of the baggage of everything that's happened with gymnastics. What, what kind of advice would you give? So that's one question. And you can answer that second or first. The, the other question would be, you've talked about it's like it's a different culture. Um, and so you have to coach differently. What are some of the main differences that you see about maybe ways that you used to coach in the earlier days or in past decades versus what's more appropriate now? Well, I, I, I think um, as far as what, uh, I'll start with the coaching. Um, in, in, the, in the earlier days, especially in um, gymnastics per se, it, you know, there, there was definitely way more structure. I mean, that's how it came up. It was mm -hmm. uh, very structured because you 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 were trying to um, get pretty much everybody on the same page, and you had a end goal, and that end goal was to you know qualify for the Olympics per se, and um, and the way it was taught and the way we saw it being me. American uh, coaches and, and athletes was kind of how they did it, uh, you know, in Europe, you know, in, in Romania and in, in, in Russia with Bella and, 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 and you know, Nadia and, and how they coached. And back then that was acceptable training. And, and you know, the Chinese and the Japanese, it was uh, kind of acceptable to, to uh, coach uh, a little bit more, sternly with athletes and, and how you treated them and now today you, you know that's not the that's not the the, the case uh, um, athletes have changed they they want more say they want to be involved a little bit in in what goes on and that too has to do sports specific in terms of uh, gymnastics a lot of gymnastics athletes were younger, you, you know, so they're used to, you know, listening to their mother or their father and, you know, doing whatever they needed to, to do. Um, sorry. Um, did whatever they needed to do to move ahead. So um, I, I just think, you, you know, 
now you can't do that or you don't want to do that because that's not going to produce or help you achieve what you want especially because of the kids I, like like they're they're smarter now they're they're on their social media they're on you, you know they're, they're looking at um, you, you know tv more so they have more of a say where back in the in the day it was like you know, you know we all grew up we listened to the the adult in the room and, and and that's what we did and we don't question it we just we just did it and now you have more kids that because of they've been growing up you know with social media and and, and everything available to them that quest they question everything mm-hmm. and um yeah and the other question was i'm sorry um well, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit and then I'll okay. ask you the other question. I, yeah, I was just even thinking too, like just our understanding of psychology and how the human brain works is so different now than it was even, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I, I was recently rereading a, a book about trauma and, you know, looking even in the, in the 1970s, early 1970s, um, most psychologists, doctors didn't believe that. I hope there's no kids listening, but didn't believe that, you know, uh, molesting your, your, your daughter, that the kids being molested by their father was psychologically damaging in any way. At the time it was like, uh, it never happens. And if it does, it like those kinds of sexual activities for kids is not damaging to them. And so like, I mean, that was, you know, that was 50 years ago, but that's the same time that a lot of this way of coaching was developed. Um, You know, we just had such less understanding and compassion for psychology, for humanity, for how it works. And I think that's so different now in our understanding of, of things and how they wire us when we're children for adulthood and how those interactions is so much different now than it was because we understand the brain and we understand human interaction way more than we did, um, then. And so, you know, I think like this, when did Nadia win? 78, 72, 72. Yeah. Yeah. So I think about some of these things I'm reading about trauma and psychology and the understanding of it. It's like, that's the exact same timeframe that that was then. And so, you know, it's just, we just didn't understand human humans. And so, and, and it's different now in that. And so I think being able to like kind of back out of the gymnastic space of it for a minute and just kind of look at even just our understanding of how to help children be wired for positive outcomes for the rest of their life in terms of how the brain gets wired, how emotions get wired. And it's just a different understanding of that now than we had back then. Yeah. So, I love the idea um, that you said to let's step out of just the gymnastics. Sometimes we think these are just gymnastics problems. Yeah. It's a universal thing right and yes. today there's it's the, the information is always like Wayne said always in front of these kids that communication you know you, you just can't help but know that they know a lot more like Wayne said than we ever talked about in fact communication all I knew when I was growing up is the less I talked the more I could get coached the less emotion I showed the more they'd help me you know if I was crying they, they would kind of be like I don't know what to do with her mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of, and, but today, because of the information and because the access to information is so quick and the encouragement to talk to coaches, that in itself is a culture change. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So let's go back to this idea of fear. 
Um, so Wayne, we teach a thought model and our, our listeners will be more familiar with it than you probably are. So I'm just going to go over it really quick. Um, but you have a thought about a circumstance. So let's say, what if I, you know, what if I get a safe sport violation in mm-hmm. this interaction and that thought produces an emotion. So in that case, the emotion would be a more fear. personal example, just so we can give them the model, but you go with this. Can I just give a, so that Wayne can throw with what you're saying with the model? What sure. if I have a violation? Yeah. I, what, what if they find out that I wasn't the perfect coach mm. 10, 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. Like the safe sport. What if somebody finds out that I wasn't and, and they don't give me like the grace to know that I could have changed? Yeah. Those kind of, and then go ahead, go ahead with the feelings. Yeah, yeah. So we have a thought, that thought leads to an emotion. And then we, our emotions always fuel the actions that we take. And then the actions that we take produce the results that we have. And so we have, you know, hundreds and thousands of these models going on at the same time, all the time. But when we take action out of an emotion of fear, it generally isn't the action that we want to be taking. It's probably not showing up the way that we want to be showing up. And it probably leads to kind of some actions that are much more like either guarded or uh, frantic, you know, that when you're fear, you're kind of like graspy and frantic, like I got it, I got it, I got it. Or you're like, no, I I have to put up all these walls and all these boundaries. And so, um, I think with the idea of being fearful of what are other people going to think about my coaching style, either now or in the, the, the past, if that, if those questions produce fear in you as a coach, so I'm talking to you, our audience, if those questions produce fear in you, you're going to be showing up as a coach differently than the way that you want to be showing up. And so it's not on whether what you're thinking is right or wrong, or it will happen or it won't happen. It's the fact that that thought is not serving you in any way, shape or form to really be the kind of coach you want to be. And so So accessing what those thoughts are, figuring out like, okay, am I fearful about these things? Am I coaching with fear about these things? A lot of times you can tap into the emotion before you can find the thought. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out, is there some fear going on there or maybe frustration? And if so, what are the thoughts that you're having that are causing it and getting those, just getting them all out on paper. And then what we like to do is like, okay, now play that out. We, we call it like, uh, I call it, um, like finding the monsters under the bed, like take a look at them. Take a look at all the, what ifs you have a whole bunch of what ifs, what if I get, you know, in trouble by a parent, what if I get my business closed down? What if, and take it as far as your brain will go and just sit in it. Like, okay, what if that happens? Okay. What if that happens? Okay. What if that happens? Cause one of the things that happens is our brain is operating on the anxiety of that fear all the time. And we're not even aware of how much it's affecting all of our other actions. And so getting it out and taking a look at them helps your brain go, okay, that one I am still actually genuinely scared of. Okay. That one's probably never going to happen. Like I'm it's, it's not a monster under the bed. It's just a suitcase. It's not a monster under the bed. It's actually just a dust bunny. It's not a big deal, but doing all the what ifs and going through those can really help you as a coach or as a parent, take a breath around whatever it is you're fearing. So Wayne, I'd love to hear from you, maybe like some thoughts around 
just around what your advice would be to coaches that are in fear of either their past or their present style of coaching and getting in trouble for it? Well, I, I think, first of all, one of the first things you got to do, you have to do is recognize, you, you know, you as a coach. And, and, and I, what I mean by that is, like I was telling Amy the other day, when we spoke a little bit, uh, 20 years ago, or 10, 15 years ago, I coached different than I coached before I retired. And first of all, you have to recognize that, and, and say, okay, maybe those things that we did didn't work, or maybe they did work at the time, but it's not what's acceptable to, of doing today. Okay, so that's the first thing you got to recognize that you want to get better as a coach. And it's, it, it, it's okay to change. It, it's, it, you know, we're going to, and we're going to keep changing. And, and, and I tell you, five years from now is going to be different. Every year you have a different group of athletes coming up. You have to change to adapt to them. And once you understand that, then you can start building you, you, you know, yourself into, okay, learning and what I need to do to make that happen. One of the things that need to happen first and foremost, though, is I know safe sport in general needs to not assume every coach is guilty before they are actually guilty. And, and that's the number one thing that I hear from coaches, you, you know, all the time, you know, without knowing the specifics of, of, of anything, you just know you're going to be plastered out there. And, and personally, I've known personal situations with coaches that told me, you, you know, um, about certain situations regarding safe sports that happened to a coach. And it was just like, are you, are you kidding me? And one of the things that I thought was this kind of um, kind of relates to, um, like I said, I was supposed to have jury duty in in sitting in the courtroom all day yesterday from like eight o'clock to like five o'clock. The judge kept saying just because the defendant is sitting there does not make him guilty. Okay, mm. he has the opportunity to a, a fair and impartial trial. So don't think, and we are wired that because we're sitting in the courtroom, something must have happened. Mm -hmm. So somehow we already have this, this bias a little bit because we don't know the specifics of it. And it wasn't the trial. It was just, you know, going through jury selection, but you kind of thinking in your, your mind that he must've did something. So he's kind of guilty of something and you can't. And you tell yourself, how can you not think that? And I think the same thing with, with coaching in terms of uh, safe boards trying to make it better for everybody, but the kind of way they're doing it makes it harder for coaches to coach because they, you know, anything that I don't know, you know, a whole lot about safe boards, but anything that a coach may do may turn out not the right thing and you're already ostracize and still looking at ways how can we help a coach get better to be a better coach mm -hmm. you, you, you know you know especially on things that is not you know let's say as you know egregious as uh you, you know something else um 
So I, I, I think as, as, as coaches, you just gotta say, okay, I need to change what I did before you know, to what's happening now. And that could be weekly, you know, depending on, you know, what level you're coaching at. And, and if it's if it's team versus, you know, the class, because you're going to coach your class a little bit different than how you're going to coach your, your, your team. But um, you just got to be willing to to change and adapt new ideas and, and new situations. And I think it's it's just ongoing. Yeah. Can I, can I throw something in with that, Wayne, just to add to it from our conversation the other day is um, with that change and that adaptation, I believe everybody can change. I also believe that some healing because there was a lot of pain after the fact in the, in the moment, a lot of times there's a lot of pain later on, we look back and go, wait a second. There was a lot of things that we weren't okay with, but we just allowed because we didn't know whatever it was. Right. Right. A lot of what that coaching changes happening is also an opening of, I didn't know. I didn't understand. We didn't have this kind of information. We weren't taught these kind of tools and being very, very, I guess, vulnerable as a coach who does want to change as just like a human being who wants to change every day, trying to change, but also being willing when somebody comes to you and you say, Hey, that was really painful 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. So long ago that you think they don't, they don't even remember it. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal to a lot of people, the way that they were trained in different scenarios and for coaches to be very willing to be open about some of those conversations to say I look like I got it all together now and you probably think I'm a you know just faking this but I really am trying to change and I'm sorry for the way that was I think just just adding to what you're saying is recognizing as coaches that sometimes those conversations could really kill a lot of relationships that feel very disconnected still with coaches and athletes with the way the system was and there's no reconciliation. It's just, let's pretend that didn't happen and let's just be a new person today. Yeah. Sometimes that, that disconnect makes it difficult for former athletes. I don't know. Yeah. If I, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. You, you need to be at peace with yourself and what, and, and what occurred, you, you know, the, the, the years before. And, and like you said, it, it, you know, um, Everybody needs to heal from it. But I think what coaches fear most is because, you you know, it's happened over here. It's happened over there. They think people want to point fingers Mm -hmm. and people want to accuse because we are getting back to what I said earlier. We're in cancel culture and and you you, you, you know um you don't want to get canceled so you're not gonna you you know say anything or admit anything and and i think that's the main thing if people or are you know the sports or people involved in sports parents athletes are not looking to you know cancel you know maybe that can open up the door for coaches to say you know Okay, yes, let's have that conversation. Now, what's what what some things, not everything. I mean, if uh, like I said, if, if, if things happened 20 years ago that were really bad that need to be, you know, taken care of, by all means, you 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 need to do that. You can't just cancel that. But when we're talking about coaching styles, mm-hmm. which I think can help both sides, you know, get better and move on. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing. It, 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 it's like I know a coach uh, um, when the um, BLM 
you know, became, you know, you know, a big thing. Black Lives Matter, you know, uh, several months ago, uh, a, a former athlete came up and said, you know, you treated me this way, you know, and, 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 and it was the same thing. She just kind of wanted some, you know, some closure to, to, to make a coach better. But at the same time, she wanted to get this coach fired. Yeah. And it, it's, it's like, well, I understand your frustration, but does that make it better? Or does it make that coach wanting to get better? It just makes everybody get on defensive mode and nobody admits to anything. And therefore nobody gets better. You, you, you know, you just kind of behind right. what- is it really a healing process or is it just a blaming game? Right. It, it, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, and I think it needs to be a healing process for a coach to know that it's, it's, it's okay. You know, that you're, you know, you're coached like this later, let's focus on how you're coaching now. Mm-hmm. And I think if coaches can get that, and that's why it's, I think it's key to have good administrators or good people that are your supervisors or wherever you're working to, to look at it that way and not say, well, we, we got to do this and, and, you know, you know, you're gone, you know, type thing. Yeah. Good point. Thank you. Well, I think two, two thoughts. One, Amy, when you were bringing that up, I was remembering a podcast that we did with uh, Cassie Rice, right. um, you know, and she really kind of came, came out with that sentiment of like, yeah, I did a ton of things back then that like were not good. And I, and I didn't know it and realize it at the time, but I want to be different and I'm sorry for the hurt that I caused in it. And she very genuinely has worked with some of those relationships from the past. And I just really remember really respecting how she came about that. And as I think back to the model and the idea of like helping people figure out how to do this for themselves, my thought is Cassie must not have been operating out of fear at that point. I think my guess is she was operating out of love, right? You know, she was coming from a place where she it's, Oh, and and that's the other thing about cancel culture, but I think is just us in general. And is so much bigger in gymnastics is perfectionism. Mm -hmm. I have to be perfect all the time or, you know, I'm canceled. (laughs) And instead of being able to say, of course, I'm not perfect. Of course I mess up. We all mess up. We all do things wrong. We all say things that we don't like wish that we could take back. We all lash out or do things, you know, in ways that aren't helpful. Um, We all do it. And so when we can just go, it's okay that you've made mistakes. It's okay that I've made mistakes. Um, And I now want to operate out of love and out of connection out of reconciliation when we're able to operate from that energy and from that place then we it doesn't mean that we go okay then I'm canceled as a coach it means that then you can engage in those conversations and engage in your ideas around how you want to coach not from a place of fear but from a place of 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 another emotion that's going to help you actually take actions and show up the way that you want to show up and so going back to like, how can you deal with this as an individual coach? It's, it's working through and dealing with your fear, your fear of not being perfect, your fear of having done it wrong, your fear of what's going to happen. And instead working to come from a different emotion 
um, and to come from a place that's going to help you. And it doesn't mean coming from love doesn't mean that you say, oh, I did everything wrong and I just need to quit. Coming from love means, okay, I want to love myself. I want to love you who I maybe hurt in the past, if that's the case, or you, the gymnast that I hurt today, because I'm not, I'm, you know, I mean, I think about parents and like how often you hurt. I'm not a parent, so I'm going to say you, but how often you hurt your kids. And then, and then later you come back and you're like, I'm so sorry. I, I totally shouldn't have, but parents feel like they should never have done that. They should never be off. They should never be wrong. Or kids should never be off or never be wrong. When we can like drop all of that and we can go, people have bad days. People have bad years. People have seasons where they don't know better or where they do things out of, you know, and being able to like accept that that's okay both for yourself and for others, I think is a huge way to step forward. Right. I, I think also too, what needs to happen as well, that athlete also needs to be willing to do, you, you know, their part and wanted to accept that, mm-hmm. you know, healing process. Right. Um, I, I think it's really important because no matter what you do as a coach, if, you know, the other side or, you, you know, you know, who you're talking about or talking to, if they're not willing to accept that you, you just, you, you know, there's, there's just no, no point. So I think everybody really needs to work together to, yeah. to do it and, and find that happy media. I, I think it's just, it's just hard today in, in, in coaching, in my opinion, because there are so many fine lines between coaching and, um, you, you know, asking an athlete to do too much <clears throat> because in, in speaking to a lot of different athletes and I just did a, a, a video the other day for one of my former athletes that's going into the Hall of Fame and they were asking me a whole bunch of questions about her. And I just said, I remember, you know, she always wanted to get better. She wanted to do, you know, whatever it takes to be the top. You know, that was that was her personality and she could handle anything. You know, she, you know, she like wanted to get better. And then you had an athlete that, you know, I just want to do the minimum. Don't push me. Don't make me do anything hard. So how do you 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 got to always be on and and, in that middle of the road to try to figure out who needs what and when they need it is 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 even harder because I mean it's just it's just crazy so it just it's just getting hard as 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 you know a a coach but I but I think we we can do it you you know um, like you said one of the things that I never thought of that you made a really good point is understand where the coach is coaching from and, 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 and not in terms of anything, but you know, you're coaching for your heart. You, you, if you're doing what you really think is, is right. And then, you, you know, that that's all you can do, you, you know, and, and coach you from a place of, like you said, love and trying to make sure you're getting better and, 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 and learning what you're here to learn stuff like that. I had a coach, a football coach that came up to me a couple of weeks ago and said, what do I do in the moment? And I said, what do you mean? He said, what do I tell these kids in the moment when they need help right then? And I said, how did you feel the last time you felt like you were saying the right words to your athletes? 
And he said, I don't know. I said, well, can you think of the last time you were saying things that you're like, hey, that's just coming. That's just flowing. And he, he said something like I felt sure. I felt confident, some kind of um, emotion like that. And I said, why don't you practice feeling that? And then whatever you say, you can feel good about that. Whatever you say is fine from there. Because those words are going to come from the emotion, like Stacy said, of love, of intention, of I'm not just desperate to get the scoreboard. I'm right here with you, looking at you, and I'm not coaching you. I'm just a guide. You're coming to me. I will guide you. Because that word, like you said, coach kind of has a negative connotation sometimes, that maybe it's more if you come to me like that one girl that's Hall of Fame, she came to you seeking more help, and you just guided her, but you came from a feeling of, I want to help her. I love this person. I'm excited that she wants to be excited. So I loved that question the other day of what do I do in the moment? Well, like Stacy said, what do you feel when you feel like you're doing it right? Stick with that feeling. Mm -hmm. And whatever you say, you can feel pretty confident that that was right. I can't tell you what to say because I don't know. Every kid's different, but you can feel confident from the emotion you're saying it from. Yeah. Right. You, you, you know what, Stacy? Also, what, what I think is really interesting, a thought just just kind of occurred to me. And it's, it's just uh, um, that also it's really different when male coaches are coaching female. Mm -hmm. And I, I think the whole Larry Nassar thing has made it even harder mm -hmm. because um, to say we're saying, you know, coach from, a, you know, more kind of emotional based or coaching from love. And, and, and I know personally from, from myself, I, I, you know, I always made sure that I'm not showing a um, emotion or a um, giving the kids a signal or anybody in the audience a signal mm -hmm. that it's more than just me really genuinely caring from an athlete because it can be very misconstrued. And, and, and then, the, then they look and say, you're standoffish. You don't like your team. It's like, well, no, I love my team, but I'm not going to outward show that emotion because some kids and some parent or somebody else may take it, you, you know, more of the wrong way. So that even creates another, you, you know, variable mm -hmm. on, on how to coach and, 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 and do that. Like I've seen some coaches, you know, you know, after a kid, you know, did something great, they'll run down and give a kid a great big hug and da, 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 da. And I go, I'm not, I tell my kids, don't hug me. I go, whatever you do, please do not jump on me and hug me. You, 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 you know, it's just because you don't want somebody to get a wrong idea of 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 anything because there are people out there that 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 do and and that puts you you know a strain on a coach to really show his emotion and 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 you know feelings towards how you know he can coach uh, an athlete which i think we could talk about too that that could be another topic but that i, yeah. I that's that's something that's changed a lot of coaches as well. Yeah. yeah. I think too, though, even for you, Wayne, as you think about that, and just as people listen, though, I do think coming back to whenever, whenever we're choosing to show up in a way out of fear of what others might think or what might be said or what might happen, 
we then end up acting in a way that is creepy. (laughs) You know, like, like when we're weird, then people think we're weird about it. And so I do think when we get into that place where we're like, well, but like, what if somebody else is going to think this or what if that? And so I do think that it can go too far for a coach. Like, yes, being wise, a hundred percent of, you know, making sure that you're, you're being wise in your interactions. And even like, sometimes the coach coachy relationship, like it can be hard to for, remember that this is a 12 year old kid. Cause we're with them all the time. And, and most of our gymnasts, like they're smart and they're mature. And sometimes it can feel like we're interacting with an, a, a little mini adult. And, you know, so I do think there's a, a place to be wise, but le- again, letting that wisdom come out of an emotion of love and care instead of out of an emotion of fear and, and, and anxiety, because that will guide, you know, appropriate interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then usually again, kind of the like, okay, well then what if someone does think something bad and what if someone does report something bad, but when you're coming from a place of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, you usually then act in a way that doesn't serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and doesn't serve the kid either. Um, and so I think when you can be like, okay, I want to be loving and wise, to be loving and wise, I'm going to make sure to never hug my athlete because to me, that feels like the most loving thing I can do for them um, in this male, female uh, authority structure, then that's a fantastic action to take. But when we, when we make those same decisions out of fear, they usually just end up coming out very differently. So that's kind of my last thought on that. But I think, like you said, Wayne, we can talk forever about all of this. So I want to wrap us up with just some final thoughts. One of the things I want to highlight is that I think the biggest place that this comes into, we're talking about fear of as a coach, Mm -hmm. but one of the biggest place it comes into is helping athletes with their fear. Because that's one of the things that's most difficult to do in gymnastics that, that causes the most, you know, hardships is like this kid is scared of doing the skill. The kid is scared of doing the things. And so how do I, as a coach, help motivate my athlete through their fear? And all that we've learned from the past is we motivate them by fear, fear of strength and conditioning you know, getting in trouble or having to go do strength and conditioning because they don't do the thing, fear of the coach getting mad at me, fear of not being able to perform. Like we use those things. Well, if you don't get the skill, you're not going to be able to do this level. Well, if you don't get the skill, you're going to have to go do, you know, 20 push-ups. Well, if you don't go for this, like I got to be really stern to make you do that. And so that's one of the biggest things that we love to help coaches learn is how to, from the points of psychology and of just how the human brain works, how to help the kid with fear in ways that aren't using more fear tactics to get them through it. Because honestly, using fear tactics to get them through fear is the most effective to get them to do the skill. It It genuinely is, but it's not the most effective to help them in life to help them be less fearful in other situations, to help them in the long run. And so how can we stop using those tactics and instead learn to use um, ones that really wire into their brain and help them deal with their fear? So that's what we're going to talk about in a future episode. (laughs) Yes, that sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. Anybody have any last quick thoughts? Amy, I'm sure you do. 
Well, I, like I said, we're just going to have Wayne do a few more rounds of this and get some more information <laughs> and knowledge from his perspective. Cause he's got a lot of good, good perspectives and a good experience. Like I said, from different and has talked, Wayne has the memory. I don't know where he remembers anything from, but that's cause I think about, I can't even remember my kids' names. I'm excited to be able to keep going with this conversation and having it go in so many different directions to help the coaches yeah. out there who are, are acting from desperation, from concern about what other, other people think of, about them where they're not showing up as the coach that they want to be. So they're going to be burned out. They're going to be frustrated. They're going to be ready to quit any day if, if something else happens. And yeah, we don't yeah. want that. We want coaches who are confident, who can be themselves, pull out their characteristics, their traits that make it so that their kids can get to know them in a way that feels very safe, emotionally safe, and mm -hmm. has boundaries and can thrive and move forward. Yeah. So. I, I Wait, think... Go for it. Uh, uh, first of all, this was great. And I enjoyed speaking with you guys. And I think what you're, you guys are doing are great because, again, this is, this, this is helping in terms of 20 years ago or not even five years ago, you didn't have this. Mm -hmm. You couldn't get on and talk about this. And I think if every coach can utilize you, you know, some, somebody such as yourselves and talk things over, I, I think just coaching could change yeah. tremendously. In, in, in every sport. Um, and again, people need to invest uh, more monies and resources in the helping coaches get better. Yeah. And your teams and your coaches will be better. Mm -hmm. and, and, and again, um, I, I, I think this, this is great. You, you know, this, this was wonderful. And I think you guys are doing a great job. I really honestly do. <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate that. All right. We'll talk with you again soon and everybody else have a great week and we will see you back here next week. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We believe that you've got this, but we would love to help you in your athletic journey. We know you need to get maximum results in the shortest time possible. So we've created a program with short, effective lessons and coaching that you can fit between practice and the rest of life. We coach parents, coaches, and athletes in the mental and emotional health tools they need to create an environment for athletes to thrive. Invest in the one thing that will have the greatest impact on your success, your mind. Check us out at athletesmindsetacademy.com. Let's do this.